podcast has bad words. <laughs> All right, this is the Maximal. We're here with Matt Cox, Matthew B. Cox, <laughs> um, author, former con artist, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, a redeemed person. Isn't a fiction writer kind of a con artist in a uh, way? Oh, that's that's good, <laughs> man. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm actually, not, I don't write fiction. Yeah, no, true. nonfiction. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, true yeah, crime. Yeah, yeah. 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 true crime. Um, I, what, what's fascinating about the true aspect of this is you now, many years later, uh, thirteen years later since uh, your arrest, which uh, I think my favorite story of yours. I want to get into is actually your arrest story. So mm. we'll get into that in a moment. But before we do, we're talking about beginning again today. We've already sort of covered that during the minimal portion of this but um we're, when we're talking about redemption you're on the other side of this and now all of a sudden you're you're having people tell you you know what matt you can never do that again today right, mm. right. And we're, we're just so much more sophisticated now with respect to the mortgage industry and banking and driver's licenses yeah. and especially after 2008 and all that crazy fraud that went on right yeah right so so how much of this could people still get away with today how, how i mean uh, of, of everything that you did i'm certain some laws changed yeah, because some of laws you changed but they just made it harder for you to get a mortgage uh, a, legitimate, <laughs> a legitimate person to get a mortgage mm, you know right so. it's like like when the gun laws it's you know like in California, you can't buy like certain new weapons, or you can't buy a, 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 a Gen a, Five nine millimeter. Yeah, Glock. Yeah, Glock. Yeah, you you can't do that in in California, um, but the criminals will still have it, and they'll yeah. still. I mean, and so what oh. you're saying is, yeah, I can still do it, yeah. even though the law has changed. The yes. the techniques haven't necessarily changed that much. No, I mean. The, okay. Anyway, just to be clear, you're completely out of this world. I, I just want to. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, I what happens is that I I have friends that are mortgage brokers that uh, are lenders that are I I work with a guy that owns a, a title company. Or he owns several title companies, and you know we were we were talking the other day, and somebody had said something I forget what it was about things being um. Uh, you know, harder, like, oh, you know, I, I said, yeah, I said, people, I had a guy in the comments saying, oh, you couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I go, I said, you know, I looked at him, I said, I have a question. I said, I, I mean, what what's changed since now and then? You know, to to him, as far as recording, let's say, a satisfaction of mortgage, and he went, um, I think the only difference is before you made like what looked like an original satisfaction of mortgage, right? And I went, right, right. He said, you wouldn't have to do that now. <laughs> and I, I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, now you could make a black and white one that doesn't even look like an original, doesn't have a stamp, doesn't have any, it doesn't have that stuff. Mm. He goes, you don't need the original, the blue stamp, the notary, that he goes, you don't need that. You can just, you can just- Xerox. Yeah, you can just Xerox, cut it up, Xerox it, make it. He's and then scan it. And then he said, like I scan all of our documents because we scan it and then we put original copy. Mm. Saying that I, the person who scanned the document, saw the original. You public records don't need to see the original. You just trust me. He goes, and then I don't even have to go in. He goes, you just scan it to them. You send it to them. He goes, they look at it a couple days later. Then they they put it in the system. He goes, it's over. I go, and I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah. Why? I said, well, because you know a lot of these guys are saying they'll say stuff, and then, for instance, I buy a house. You know, you buy a house. You have to put put on the market. You have to try and find a buyer. That sort of thing. And I said. Now I said, you can, I go rent your house. I transfer the deed 
electronically. I then turn around. So wait, I, I own a house. So you, it, you rent I, me I the house. To someone, so say I rented it to you. You could rent it to me or I could have an actual closing where I, I actually, we close and I buy it. But let's say I just rent it from you. Uh-huh. I then transfer the deed out of your knee, name into my name. How can you do that? Though? Or I assume your identity. Um, <laughs> wow. Terrified. Oh my God. Um, well, let, let put it this way. I could, I could take your name. I could go to social security. I could get them to issue me a new social security card in your name, um, which is, you know, now it's not you. Mm-hmm. It's maybe, let's say, a 10-month-old child. But, you know, who doesn't know that is Social Security. Um, I'm sorry. Um, the person that doesn't know is uh, the credit bureaus. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So now I've got a I've got a credit, a Social Security number in your name. I then apply for three. It's not my social. It's some baby's no, social. No, it's some kid's social. I made it up. I, I, I make up a fake birth certificate, a fake shot record. Mm-hmm. I go in, say my son was born with a, a to a midwife. Mm-hmm. Here's the information. I show them my ID. They wow. issue anybody's ID, really, mm-hmm. and they they check and they go, yeah, you're right. There never was one issued. Oh, okay. They issue a new one. Ten days later, I get the card. I then go online. I apply. I get three secure credit cards in your name. You have no clue. Wow. So I'm now walking around with all this information and credit cards and everything that look like you. I could actually go into the DMV and get a – can't get a driver's license in Florida, but I could get an ID. Mm-hmm. So I get an ID issued to you. I give it – I give it a different – use a different date of birth, but it's still in your name. Mm-hmm. And your name is not your name and date of your date of birth is not attached to your title. It's just your name. Anybody that shows up with your an ID in your name can do anything. Uh-huh. So well, I go, I open up. Holes. Yeah, I go wow. and I open up several bank accounts. I've got the credit cards, bank accounts. I got a, 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 secu- a um, social security number. I'm in possession of your property. I'm living there. Yeah. I call up three, three or four. I could call up five if I want to try and juggle them. Five different hard money lenders. Your house is worth two hundred thousand. I mean, in Tampa, here it's probably worth six hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Your house is worth six hundred thousand. You rented it to me. You got one month's rent and a deposit, and I moved in. Call these hard money guys. They all come out. They look at the house. They go, "It's worth six hundred thousand. What do you want? Uh, so, what are you trying to do? I need to borrow four hundred thousand. And they go, "Well, of course I'm gonna lend you four hundred thousand on six hundred thousand dollar house. Of course, twelve mm-hmm. percent simple interest. And you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that because I'm never making a payment. Uh-huh. So, what do we do? We schedule." F- five different closings with five different guys. We all close. They give me $400,000 a piece. I get $2 million. I dump them into a bunch of bank accounts, open in your name. I then wow. take all the money out. I could move the money in Bitcoin. I could buy diamonds. I could buy bullion. I could buy whatever I want. And I mean, listen, I know, guy, I know a guy that uh, worked for the Romanian mob that was telling me, look, you can transfer the money to a bank in Romania. They'll cash it and bring it to another bank. He goes, the cops will ex- escort you to the other bank, deposit it, and then wire it back out. It's gone. Wow. Did it all the time. So there's all these things that are oh so much easier now than they ever were when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like Frank Abagnale, mm-hmm. you know, from Catch Me If You Can. Sure. He said he would always talk to people and they would say, oh, well, you can't do that now. He'd go, <laughs> Now, he's like, I had to buy a press. I had to buy a micker machine. I had to buy, he's like naming all these things. I had to go to auctions. I had to collect it. Like I had to travel the country collecting these things and it took months and months. He goes, I can go, he was like, now I can go to Office Max mm-hmm. 
and buy that equipment and wow. do exactly what I was doing back then right now. You also have a supercomputer in your pocket. Absolutely. This is this is magic. Yeah. And when I got out, I was like, this is insane. My phone can do anything. If you just listen yeah. to this, he's, he's holding up his iPhone here. It's, and it's So you went in amazing. the year that the iPhone came out, so you never were experienced smartphones. Oh, uh, several years before. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. I was in 2006. Okay. They didn't come out to what, 2009 or 10? 2007. Yeah. Oh, 2007? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember I met a guy that had done like $2 million worth of fraud, uh, like, um, against uh, using iPhones where he was getting people to get the own iPhones. He was selling them overseas and they were buying them on corporate accounts, the whole thing. Yeah. And he was telling me about the scam, right? Because I'm in there for fraud. So we're all kind of getting together, kind of comparing notes, telling me, yeah, yeah. I remember he kept saying, you know, you know how the iPhone this, you know how when on the iPhone this, you know how on the iPhone. So after about five minutes, I finally had to stop, stop him and say, listen to me, your crime didn't exist when I got arrested. Wow. <laughs> stop saying, you know how the, because I've never seen an iPhone. Oh, wow. And he was like, oh, bro, I want to hug you right now. I feel oh. so bad for you. He's like, they're amazing. <laughs> and then when I got out and I got the phone, I was like, this is insane. Yeah. How overwhelming was that when you first? It, I got, first thing I got was an Android, mm. which was like an $80. It was $80. It came with the, like the plan, like an $80 plan. And mm -hmm. it came with it. And it immediately got a virus. Somebody said, hey, you can watch um, any movie you want. You just download like, you know, Green Box or Red Box. Some I was like, torn thing. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was like, I don't know. You know, he shows me, I downloaded, I got to watch a couple of movies and then, then the phone keeps shutting off and freezing up and uh, keeps asking me to do stuff. And and so I had to keep asking people to help me. I remember my friend, uh, Treon, he said, listen, bro. He said, I'm, I'm he goes, I, I can barely read. He owns several gyms and, and, and I love Trion because he's like totally knows who he is. He's like, look, bro. He's like, I didn't graduate high school. I can barely read. He's I'm, I'm basically a functioning. He's, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I really can't do anything. He said, but I can use an iPhone. He goes, you don't know how to do anything. You've got to get an iPhone. He said, I'm telling you right now. He said, you can use an iPhone. He said, and I was like, why is it so much easier? He goes, because Steve Jobs knows you're stupid. <laughs> he, said, he, goes, he said, that's a great tagline. Really Steve Jobs knows you're stupid. And he said, he made it so simple. Oh and I was God. like, I have, you know, I've met these scammers and they don't like iPhones because uh -huh. you can't do it. You can't do certain things. Mm. And he, and I told him that he goes, you're never going to want to do those things. Yes. Mm. So don't worry about it. Yeah. He was just go with it. And I got one. Oh, you know what the, one of the craziest thing was? When we first, I first met, real quick, I first met him one day and I said, hey, look, this, they sent me this thing. My probation officer sent me this thing and I have to fill it out. I said, I have to print it out. And he goes, okay, he goes, well, here, hold on. He goes, okay, hold on. All right, all right. So just fill it out and I'll scan it and I'll send it back to her. And I went, fill out what out? He goes, fill out the, the paperwork. And I went, bro, I got to print the paperwork. And he goes, I just printed it. And I went, what? And he goes, it's printed. It's print, just printed over there. And he's like 30 <laughs> feet away, it's printed. And I was like, how? And he goes, it's wireless. And I go, well, what? And he goes, he goes, God, bro. He said, you were, man, Jesus, you got it. You're gonna, we got to catch you up. <laughs> he said, I just printed it. He's my, these things hooked to my iPhone. I printed it. Oh, I was okay. like, I mean, it's just like, it's magic. Magic, yeah. It's magic. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go into, um, eventually you got caught. And um, <laughs> there were a series of events that sort of led up to you getting caught. But, um, we, we sort of talked about there was an alternate plan you had before you got caught. Uh, you were going to head over to Australia. Right. You could at the time, the girl I was dating. Was it still Becky? No, no. Okay. Becky was gone. Okay. Um, no. Uh, the Becky breakup stories. Yeah. This, yeah. 
Anyway, sorry, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to derail you. Well, you, you were going to go to Australia. He, here's the, you know, <laughs> the whole redemption thing. Mm-hmm. You do realize I've, I like, you know, Alison Arnold, who, who, you know, uh, who turned herself in uh-huh. because she was waiting to be arrested, and she's like, I can't wait any longer. I'm, I'm, I'm. They're gonna, they're gonna. You know they're gonna they're gonna grab me. They had already interviewed her several times. Mm-hmm. Um, she you know she's she's cooperating against me, and she's she still knows she's probably she could get in trouble. And she's like, look, you know what? I just want I just want to get it over with. The anxiety is killing me. She just goes in and turns herself in. Mm-hmm. I want to turn myself in. I just want to go to jail and get it over with. Mm-hmm. It's like wow. So, Allison Arnold should absolutely hate my guts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She made almost no money, and um, and ended up going to prison. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. to Allison all the time. She's the nicest person you've ever met. Uh, so when I got to the halfway house, the first thing I did was reach out to every single person that I knew that I was at the very least in some way culpable mm-hmm. in their involvement. You wronged them in some way. I wronged them in some Even if, you know, I could argue you're an adult, you knew what you were doing, you this, you that, right. and all of that is true. Uh-huh. But I also know you're in a vulnerable position. You need money. You see me with money. Mm-hmm. And I know I can get you to do this, mm. right? And so, what do I do? You know, so I went. I just, you know, it was even if it was, even if it was to let her tell me go fuck yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I just want you to let you know I know what I did, and I'm sorry. Mm. And every person I've reached out to like that, with the ex- every person I know reached out like that that went to prison, that's been through the system, that understands how the system works, mm-hmm. has been like. I'm so sorry, and I've thought about you so much, and Matt, I, it's it's okay. Mm. You didn't make me do anything, and I'm sorry I said the things that I said about you. Mm. And I and she's like, wow. no, no, no. Every scenario when I went through this, you cussed me out and tell me I'm a scumbag. <laughs> right. So when those things happen, Becky, Rebecca, mm-hmm. talked to her a bunch of times. Um, uh, I probably I'm talking to her in months actually. But uh, last time I talked to her, I had done a show called the like the Bubba uh, Bubba the Love Sponge show. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bubba the Love Sponge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's and, in Tampa, right? Yeah, he's in Tampa, yeah. and um, so anyway, uh, I guess I think she was like, "Look, yeah, don't mention me again." She's like, basically, she's like, "Look, don't don't mention that we talk again." Is basically what she said. Uh, and so within a few days of that, we had talked a few times, and she's like, "And I haven't heard from her." So I'm pretty sure if I if I started t- texting her or something, I would she yeah. would talk. Anyway. It wasn't that. It's just that, like, she's like, because I told her at one when we started talking, I said, she's like, I'm so sorry, and this and this, and I said this, and I said that. And so she's apologizing. Mm. And I said, yeah, but I said, if you really feel like that, I said, you should come on the podcast, and you can explain all of that to Danny. I said, because I have to wear this this yoke of being this womanizer, and you can clear that up. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. She says, no, no, I've, I've been maintaining that story with my husband and my, my family. Oh my she said, I'm just telling you. Oh <laughs> and I was like, eh, I'm okay with it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. <laughs> Allison, same thing. So these people, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but okay, so the story is, uh, the girl I was dating was Amanda. Uh-huh. Amanda, um, Amanda and I were, um, we were, basically I knew like all these articles would come out, Fortune Magazine, Blum, uh, Bloom, uh, Bloomberg Business Week. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just want to say Blumhouse. Um, so <laughs> they came out uh, and there had been several articles. There had been like about, I don't know, 30 or 40 articles. And so that wasn't a big deal. That's just a paper. I wasn't concerned about that. And I'd had a bunch of plastic surgery. I'd had a nose job. I'd have, you know, two hair, uh, trans, uh, two hair grafts. And I'd done all these things. I wasn't blessed <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, you know, so I needed some help. Uh, 
from you know, and I would say that's the best bank, best money, best Bank of America money I spent. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so. So, uh, um, yeah, they didn't so take it back or anything. No, they, yeah, that's, that's the, that was like, like, I would have done more if I'd known, you know. Oh, um, so what happens is, uh, I know, I know, we find out that Dateline's coming out. Uh-huh. Dateline's about to do a one hour special, mm-hmm. and Amanda knows who I am. And so she starts researching, like, where can we go to be okay, you know? And so the best place was unless it's a little tiny island like you want to go to St. Kitts yeah but you, you're living in like a little you're living in like five square miles mm-hmm. and it's like I really don't want to live here because I'm basically trapped when I right. get here I'm probably going to be trapped yeah. 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 Um, technology at the very least is, may catch up to me at that point I don't know how it is now but I mean back then I, I'm traveling all over the place on, on passports issued by the State Department so I'm, I'm, I'm multiple people not counterfeits again. These are yeah, real those passports. are real passports. I'm going yeah. in and out. I'm going to Croatia. I'm going to Jamaica. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Bermuda. I'm going mm-hmm. to Italy. I mean, I'm, we're going all over the place on false passports. But at some point, I figured they're going to do like a thumbprint or something because right. I see them. They actually have the machines. Like some people, they're thumbprinting, mm. but those are people that are coming in from countries that are on watch list, or they travel extensively, or they whatever. Yeah, and that never happened to me. So. What, what ends up happening is uh, she starts looking, and it turns out that Australia at the time, all you needed was to come to Australia with $100,000 and a business plan, t- and they would make you a permanent resident alien. Mm. If you wanted to be a resident, you had to get fingerprinted, and you had to get a, an FBI check, like a, a run on you, and you had to. I didn't know if they had to do that or if I got to do it. Because if I get to do it and provide you the documents, then you're you're done. <laughs> but if you're doing it, I have no control over it. Mm. I'm, I'm. It's it's going to be an issue. Mm. Like I was thinking, you know, it depends because like if you get, so I don't know about here, but Florida they license you for everything. You can do anything as long as you're licensed. Uh-huh. But the problem is, is it's so flawed because they give you the paperwork. They say you go to the. Sheriff's Department and get your fingerprints done. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, could, I could go fingerprint a 12-year-old kid in my apartment complex and put my name on it. I can go get, oh, no, no, there's a there's a stamp that they put on it. Yeah, because I can't get a stamp that says Sheriff. <laughs> so, you know. Stamps are incredibly difficult to come by. <laughs> right. So, you know, so, I, I mean, it's like anytime anything passes through that person's hand, it's it's completely the whole system screwed up. So, um, mm. I can do anything. So, I didn't know, but I knew I could go there and I was allowed to buy property. I was allowed to get a driver's license i was like do all these things and all i have to do is show up with like my passport and i can start, and i can open up a business i can hire offices i can't work there but i don't want to work for anybody anyway. i want to open up a business yeah. so i'm going to show up with a couple million dollars yeah. and a business plan i'm mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and so we were going to leave and what ended up happening was we had a girl uh, a girlfriend a man and i are living together and there's a girl that we're seeing and she's coming over you know a couple times a week mm-hmm. Um, it was a friendly situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what ends up happening is at some point I'm getting cash out uh-huh. and we're stockpiling cash. And what happens is Amanda, at some point I had asked her to see if this girl would cash some checks. And so she gives her the checks and I, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that sparked a conversation mm-hmm. because right after that, um, she contacted the secret service so she obviously knew who I was now. She contacts the Secret Service. Secret Service stakes out my house for a few days, mm. and then they grab me. I'm mm. coming home one day, and and they uh, they catch me. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a little it's a little bit more dramatic than that. I actually got a phone call, yeah, like from Amanda saying, you know, where are you? 
I'm like, oh, I'm on my way back to the house. Why? She's like, oh, Trina just called up. She's at telling me not to go to, to the office. She's this. I'm like, why? I'm like, well, why are you worried? She didn't know anything. She's like, oh, man, I really feel like I screwed up. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Hold on. I got to hold on. I'm getting out of the truck. Load. I mean, I'm walking to the car going, well, what do you mean? And boom. Cars. Wow. They pull up. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Get on the They got the. I thought I was getting robbed. Um, they they had the Secret Service logo or, or thing across their chest. They I remember the guy actually walked up. I don't. I think I say this in the book. He actually like I froze. Mm-hmm. I just sat there. I didn't know what they were. There's so many guys screaming. I just was like, and the guy walks right up to me, and he puts his gun in his holster and he looks at me. He goes, "Get on the ground." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> oh so the I, ground." Get okay. I lay down. They handcuff me. They pick me up. They brush me off. Um, Secret Service was very polite. As opposed to the the FBI, which was they were horrible. Mm. Um, now you had a game of cat and mouse with the the FBI, oh my God. which oh, is, I called her several times. You mean Candace called around? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So who, who, who's Candace? Well, let's talk about Candace here. Well, at one point, I got like I'd gotten caught in the bank at one point, and I had gotten into an argument with Becky, uh, Rebecca, and we had split up the money that we had, like six seven hundred thousand dollars, and got into an argument, and basically. Basically, she gave me like a hundred grand. She's like, "I'm keeping the rest of it, going to give you a hundred grand." And everybody always says that's ridiculous, and I'm like, "Yeah, but she had a powerful argument. She was like, I got to live the rest of my life on this money. Mm-hmm. You're just going to go commit another scam. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a million dollars in a, in, a, in a month.'" All right. And I was like, "Yeah, all right, all right." So <laughs> I take the money and I leave. Well, on the way back to pick up my vehicle, uh, which was in so this was in Houston, and I was driving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and on my way there. I called home and I talked to my mom and I talked to some uh, my ex-wife and I'm talking to people and, and I called only called home very seldomly. And so I'm talking and I talked to a, a girl named Susan Barker, which was a, a mortgage broker that had worked for me. And she's like, look, the FBI is, you know, they've interviewed everybody. And the FBI agent said, if I ever talk to you to have you call her. And I was like, I'm not calling the FBI. And she goes, talk to her. What's the big deal? You know? Maybe you can work something out. Maybe you can turn yourself in. Mm. And I, I remember thinking I was in such a bad spot. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's it like I just gotten caught. Uh-huh. I, I know I'm number one. The Secret Service is most wanted list. There's articles everywhere. Just ditched Becky. I have no IDs, by the way. Like all my IDs, I left there because we had packed them all up in the, in the um, we packed them up in the U in the in the storage unit. Uh-huh. So the ID I had, she knew about. And so I've only got one ID and she knows about it. So I'm like, she just has to make a call uh-huh. and I'm done. And she was furious when I left. So anyway, I'm driving and she goes, just call. Susan says, just call the FBI and just talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she's like, what's the big deal? I was like, she's right. You know, what's the big deal? Yeah. So I pull over and I get a, I get a phone, uh, a drop phone. I call the, the agent and her name's Candace Calderon and pick up, she picks up the phone. And I say, hey, this is Matt Cox. <laughs> and uh, I, understand, I understand you. Uh, you want to you want to talk to me? And she goes. I remember she was silent for like a second. She went, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> well, hey, Mister Cox. Yeah, I, I'm. Thank you for calling. I do want to talk to you. I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, what can I do for you?" She goes, "I, I need you to need you to turn yourself in." I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that." And she was like, "Okay, well, let's talk about this." And I said, "Okay." And she goes, "Well, you know, well, what would it take for you to turn yourself in?" I said, "Well, I mean, what kind of a deal are you going to make me like?" What are you going to do? And she goes, well, I mean, I really, that's not really how it works. The way it works is you turn yourself in and we take that into consideration when we sentence you. I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. And she was really condescending. 
And mm. she kept saying, um, she's like, she's like, listen, sweetie, <laughs> you need to, and you know, it was just a sweetie, sweetie constantly. And she's like, listen, sweetie, you know, she starts getting cocky. I start getting cocky back. And I'm like, no, you, you need to tell me what you're gonna offer me. I mean, tell, give me a number. Let's talk about this. Mm. And I said, and it needs to be all inclusive. It needs to include this, Georgia, because you know I just stole like $450,000 in Georgia. Mm. And I said, and there's other stuff that you're probably gonna figure out pretty quick because the, the 1.3 million mm-hmm. that we've we've grabbed. And there's other scams that I'm, I've run since then. And you know, it needs to include the, the 11 and a half million plus a couple million I've just got. Um, so it's gonna have to include everything. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, well, uh, that's not how it works. Well, you know, so let me call let me call the U.S. Attorney, and she goes. But I mean, honestly, she said, "Listen, sweetie, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna catch you. You understand that?" And I went, oh, "Okay." I said, "Well, you're." And she goes, "You understand we're gonna catch?" You? I said, "Yeah." Well, what's taking you so long? <laughs> I said, "If you're gonna catch me, why haven't you caught me?" <laughs> and I said, "Look," I said, and she goes, "She goes, she goes, <laughs> she goes, boy, you are cocky." I said, "I may be cocky, but I'm not stupid enough to turn myself in and hope for the best." <laughs> I said, "So, make the call. Let me know." And she goes, okay, fine. She goes, leave your phone. She goes, okay, what's your phone number? I go, no, 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 no. I said, I'm not leaving my phone on. So you're probably triangulating this call right now. And she goes, oh, get over yourself. You're not that important. And I remember thinking, yeah, what are you thinking? Who are you? You're nobody. You're a white collar criminal. I, mean, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, no, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. And so I, she goes, whatever. She goes, call me back. Give me an act. Call back in an hour or two. So I hang up the phone. And I didn't know at the time that I got my Freedom of Information Act that she had called like the U.S. Marshals, gave them the the number because she had the number. Mm. They tracked it back to where the phone had been purchased only Mm. like 30 minutes earlier. And they dispatched two U.S. Marshals from Baton Rouge to where I was. I hung out at this at the like it was like a subway in a gas station where I bought the phone, sat down. I'm playing on my computer and Mm. talking on the phone. I mean, I sat there for 30 minutes. You know, if they had been close enough. They probably would have walked in and be like, hey, get on the ground. Wow. But I sat there and then I was like, eh, you know what? I'm done with my sandwich. I'm done playing. Let me get going. I get, get in the vehicle. I start driving. And then I called her. You know, for all I know, they, I drove right by them. I don't know. But I'm driving. I call her back. And she says, listen, we'll talk to the U.S. attorney. You know, um, here's what, you know, he's saying seven years. And that's a pretty good deal. And this and that. And I was like, okay. Well, seven years. I'm not. I'm not doing seven years. Uh, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> seven years. I said no. I said, I can't, I can't go to prison. Look at me. Adorable. Um, <laughs> I've seen Shawshank Redemption. Um, so I, I'm telling her all this, and I'm saying no, no. She's she's like, look. She goes, you do understand. She goes, eventually you're gonna. Oh, this is this is. Like, we were talking. I, she goes, I mean, look. She goes, you understand? We're, we're we got wanted posters. Somebody's gonna recognize. You. I went. And I go, yeah. About the wanted posters. You guys put down armed and dangerous. I said, I'm not armed. I've never had a gun. And she goes, Yeah, well, we get we get we get a better result if we put that on there. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking, wow. I'm like, you're just trying to get me killed. Mm-hmm. And she she said, Look, what she is, someone's gonna recognize you. Do you understand me? She says, someone's gonna recognize you. What if somebody tries, what if law enforcement pulls you over and they pull a gun on you and something goes wrong? What if some citizen tries to apprehend you and something goes wrong? You need to be smart about this. She goes, listen, sweetie, she says, you need to do the right thing and turn yourself in. And I went, I said, um, nah, I said, and she goes, yeah, you're going to mess up. You're going to go back to, you're going to go back to Tampa and you're going to visit someone. She goes, or you're going to get pulled over by the police and they're going to grab you. She goes, or you're going to get, she said, somebody's going to recognize you. And I was just like, and I said, no, no, no. I said, let me explain something to you. I said, there's nobody in Tampa that I want to see. 
I said, and I said, and as far as somebody rec- getting pulled over by law enforcement, I said, I said, I've had like 20 IDs. You understand? I said, I've gotten three or four tickets. I said, I went to traffic school as someone else the other day. I, did. <laughs> I said, so nobody's going to recognize me. I said, I'm not stupid enough to drive around in a vehicle with a cracked with a, a, you know, with like a cracked taillight and a dead body in the trunk, okay? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm 100% okay with getting tickets, with being interaction with law enforcement. I said, everything I have is valid. I said, nobody's gonna recognize me. And if you ever wanna have this conversation, and oh, I also said that, I, I go, I've had multiple plastic surgeries. Nobody's gonna recognize me. I said, and as, if you ever wanna have this conversation in, in person, I go, you'd better start w- working on this deal, sweetie. And she goes, and she, oh, she's now, she's furious, I'm furious. It was just, I remember at one point she goes, you, she goes, boy, you are cocky. She goes, you don't seem to understand. She goes, we're 90% sure of where you're at. I go, yeah, well, only 100% counts. And she was like, so, I mean, it was just this snide, like, I look back now. Yeah. I, it's like, Gee, why does she hate me so much? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the thing is, I I I love this as a character in a book I or know. in a film, but yeah, I would hate that person too. In fact, yeah. I mean, there are parts of me where I, this is why I wanted to bring you on. Is I see these parts of me where I look back and I'm like, why did I behave like that? Yeah, it was so unnecessary. It, it, and then when I get caught. Like she doesn't take the high road. <laughs> she's like, I mean, she's vicious. Every, when I'm in handcuffs, she's vicious every step of the way. Yeah. She's yeah. like, you know, I told you about the, or I, I, I put this in the book where my hands, I mean, the, the cuffs are killing me. You're walking around and you're banging, your cuffs are killing you. Mm. I remember I sat down and she, and my lawyer goes, can you take the cuffs off him? You know, when they were inter- uh, questioning me. And so she takes the cuffs off me and I'm like rubbing my my uh, my wrist. And she goes, do your wrist hurt? And I go, yes, ma'am. And she goes, get used to it. Oh, and I was like, wow. come on. I mean, every turn she's like, she's and she's looking at me at one point. She, she first sees me when she first comes to the Marshall's holdover to pick me up. Yeah. And she walks in, she looks at me and she goes, I'm agent, you know, I'm agent Candace Calderon. And I look at her and she goes, I told you we were going to get you. Oh. And I was just like. Oh, <laughs> it was like her moment to, and yeah. I'm doing the whole, you know, golly gee whiz. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot! Matt, we've got some audience questions. I figured we we should dive into a few of these at least. Um, how do we find forgiveness from ourselves and others for past transgressions? So, I don't know. I assume there was a lot of you know self reckoning over that 12 year period, but a lot of blame going on. I'm sure, right? You're blaming yourself. How do you how do you forgive yourself for for making some decisions that literally cost you twelve years of of freedom? I mean, how do you forgive yourself? I I, I mean, this is a question from Tim, by the way. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a horrible question, by the way, because you know it's, <laughs> they're always horrible questions when you don't really have like it's like do you give the standard no, answer no, I mean, or what did you I, really? I, think? You know, you kind of got to look at it and like, how do I really feel? Well, let's look at Tim. Tim is probably in a position right now where he's like, fuck, I screwed up. I did something I wish I wouldn't have done. And I feel like forgiving myself really means that's how I'm going to get past this. And so maybe if he were to, if we were to rephrase his question, like, I don't know that you completely get past it. though. No, I think, look, you know. The way I look at it is, look, I can't, I can't fix anything. I can't fix, 
I can't pay back six million dollars. Mm. I owe six million dollars, <laughs> and and you know I've got, I have over fifty victims, which are banks. Okay, about thirty of those banks went under, so I can't make those banks whole. Not that I, not that well, I'm not I, in some way, some small fraction. I'm sure I contributed to that, but basically mm-hmm. it was the the um, the two thousand eight crash. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like one, I can't even pay. I can't pay those banks back. Right. Um, I can't pay uh, even, you know, I, I probably will never be able to pay back the six million. I, I can make my restitution payments. That's what I can do. Sure. Um, you know, there I have four individual victims where I can I go in, I convince you to owner finance your house to me. So you owner finance your house to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I give you twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars down. You owner finance the house. I then turn around. I satisfy the lo- loans on the house and yours. And then I borrow a bunch of money on the house. Now, I just borrowed almost a million dollars on your $200,000 house. You get a few payments from me and then suddenly you get a phone call from the Secret Service. Mm. Hey, this is what's happening. You then turn around and you go get a lawyer because these banks, who have also been notified, but some of them are contacting you saying, look, you know, they're starting the foreclosure process. So you have to clean your title somehow. Mm. And the banks aren't necessarily going to even help you. So you get an attorney and you pay some attorney 10 grand. One guy paid 10 grand, one guy paid five, one guy paid seven. And it ends up, I owe four victims a total of 40 grand. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. No, of 30,000, $30,000. $30, so, you know, and I'm always looking at like one of the people there is a doctor. One guy's a CPA. Like these are professional people. And I'm sure. like, that, that, that's not killing them. You know, that's not killing them. That's when I initially think it you know initially i'm like they'll be fine they're fine you know and they probably are fine but you know what you you are a normal guy living your life doing all the right things and i come in and i just smash it all i can imagine how angry look the one guy the doctor dr brown which Uh is the person i'm thinking about the secret service said he was so upset he couldn't come to court. They wanted him to come and, and talk. Sorry. They wanted him to come and talk or his wife. They actually lived in Atlanta at that point. Uh-huh. They're probably a couple miles from the courthouse. Mm. He couldn't do it. He couldn't. He said, I cannot come and be next to this guy and and oh. and, and, and sit there without wanting to physically harm him. Like he, he can't do it. And I remember when I first heard that, I was kind of like, you know, and and – but the more I think about it, you know, it's like, no, he's right. He's got a couple kids. He's got a wife. He's doing all the right things. He went to the in the military. He's got a uh, he's got a, a a medical degree. He's living his life. He's done all the right things. He owner fin- he then owner finances his house to you, mm-hmm. and you just rip his world apart. Yeah. How do I make that good? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I can say I'm sorry. I don't think that Dr. Dr. Brown has any forgiveness in his heart for me. Mm. I'm sure he hates my guts. He can't even be in the same room with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what to do to make that right other than to be honest about it yeah. mm-hmm. and just be honest that I messed up. I wish I could make it right. I wish I could try and and you know, I'm going to pay my restitution. I don't even know how much of that's going to him. I can't even talk to him. Yeah. Like I couldn't even go to him and say, "Hey, can how could I make this right?" Mm. Um you know, so you just what you do is you be honest, and some people will never get over it, and that's not that's that. There's nothing I can do about that. Sure, yeah. But you just be honest about it. You be honest with yourself. Stop saying, "Oh, well, you this and you that." What do you mean, you this? You're going to be okay. That it's none of my business if he's going to be okay. Mm. Mm. You know, it's it's just to say 
I fucked up. He didn't have it coming. I wish I could change it. And I just, you kind of have to forgive yourself and you move on because I can't go around the rest of my life trying to, you know, crying about something I just can't fix. And I'm not willing to end it all to make the pain go away. Yeah, you know, nice. so you just have to just move forward. Yeah. I would, I would have pinned yeah. it with one thing because I think I, I agree with everything you're saying here. Because there's certain things we can't pay back, uh, and, and or if we really got value from someone like a, a dead author, there's nothing I can do to thank him, even right. Right. But I can pay it forward in, yeah. in a, a bunch of ways, and I think that's where what you're doing now, mm-hmm. whether it's with your your writing, with your books, with the interviews that you do. You're paying it forward in a way. Not only are you entertaining people, but uh, to me, this is a deeper conversation. Um, Ryan and I were talking about this when we were taking a break. Um, you you said something really profound during the minimal episode about um, figuring out how to be yourself. Mm. Okay. I mean, I was thinking, I doubt that. No, I mean, no, it was, it, <laughs> it really it, is. It was powerful. I mean, because really, ultimately, the, the message of what Ryan and I are trying to communicate, we don't express it that specific way. But I love the way you, it, what we're saying is simplify things mm-hmm. so that you can figure out how to be yourself. You know, the, the word complex uh, comes from the Latin root complex, which just means to interweave two or more things together. You had a very complex life. Uh, back in the the oddies, right? And and what you've done now is is simplified in a way. Now, initially, you were forced into simplification through you know, the prison system, mm. but now you're doing something that is simple, not easy. Don't don't get me wrong. Writing, I know. I mean, I've written five books. It's it's not an easy uh, thing, but you've simplified your life in a way, and I see it as a way to, if you can't pay people back then the only thing we can do is pay it forward. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like you're doing that with your work? I, uh, it, I, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> because, look, when I was in prison, and, and I'm a, um, you know, I know you've, you've mentioned this before we had this conversation mm-hmm. where you basically were like, eh, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. But, you know, I am by nature a selfish person. Mm. I, am, I am concerned about me. Mm. Sure. Um, and, and I think most people are, but a yes. lot of people hide it, you know. And then I think there are some selfless people that are just out there. Yeah. Um, but what happens uh, in, is that, you know, I started writing the stories because when I wrote my story, I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Started writing, uh, like, for instance, Deveroli's story, the, the, the one that I wrote, the memoir. Everybody knows the guy from War Dogs, right? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote the, the real guy from War Dogs. I wrote his memoir. Mm-hmm. So I wrote his story because... I was basically wrapping up my story. Like mm-hmm. I was going through and I was editing it and I was pe- catching errors and stuff. You know, that's that's that one that I, the shark and the hounds was in prison. And so I was finishing it and everybody was like, you gotta go talk to this guy, you gotta go talk to this guy. I wasn't thinking about writing anybody's story. Mm-hmm. I just saw him and it's like, what do I do now? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, do you know how many times, and, and this, I never knew this at the time, but I see it all the time now. Where I'm like, okay, if I do this, and then I do this, and I do this, and I think of all these things that if I could do, 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 do all these things, then I, then this happens. Uh-huh. You want to know what the most, the worst part of that whole process is for me? When I get this. Yeah. When this is done. Mm. And then it's immediately, it's like, okay, I got what I want, and now I'm empty. Yeah. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. I'm like, this is almost done. What do I do? Right. So I thought, well, he needs a memoir. He's got a great story. 
um, he was in Rolling Stone. He, he, you know, he he was in you know Details Magazine and all the you know he he's let me talk to him. I can help him. Yeah. That'll give me something to do. Yeah. Because so I go and I talk to him, and then eventually he's like, yeah, you know, I said, look, I didn't want to write the story. I said, let me write help you write a really good outline. You can send it to a ghostwriter. And then as I'm writing the outline, he says, can I read your book? And I went, sure. He reads my book. He comes back three days later. He put he walks up and puts it down. And he says, he goes. He goes, bro, that's the best thing I've ever read mm. in my entire life. <laughs> and I remember thinking, now everybody was telling me how great it was. And I just remember thinking, wow, that's, this guy is brilliant. He's fresh off the street. Mm-hmm. These other guys are my friends. They'll lie to me. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, wow, that's great. Now, in all fairness, about a week later, I realized, found out he'd only read about three books. But, <laughs> so, you know, mostly he's read magazines um, and contracts. Uh, so and it's in his top three. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, he says, can you write my book? And I was like, he goes, this is what I want. Mm. And he goes, that's what I want. And I went, I mean, I don't, you can get a real writer. He goes, bro, you're a real writer. Mm. And I went, no, bro, I'm, a, I'm just some douchebag in prison who's trying to raise it. No, 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 that's amazing. So I say, okay. So we work out a deal. I write his book. Um, when he's done, somebody else comes to me. By, by the, listen, before I'm even done, guys are like, bro, I need you to write my book. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Deb Rowley is at least putting money on my books to, to pay for like Coralink so that you can actually type it up. I can mm-hmm. email stuff. Like he's actually kind of semi-funding the project. Mm-hmm. These other guys, nobody's got any money. So I'm like, okay, well, what do I get from this? I mean, I mean, what's your story? And the guy tells me the story. I'm like, well, you, I'm sorry, and I know I feel bad for you, and you've got a bad, and it's a rough, you had a rough childhood. You've got a lot of, you got a, you're a sympathetic character. You've got some things that are I could really work with, but you've got a very common story. Mm. And I'm sorry, and I don't want to say that. And I, I know how you feel, but and you could write that story, and I will help you write that story, but I can't dedicate my time to writing that story because mm. there's 100 guys here that have that story. Right. So. The next guy, the next guy. You're like, no, no. The next day, before I know it, I'm like screening people mm-hmm. wow. to write their stories. Yeah, this sounds like a really selfish person here. Right. I'm helping all these people write their story <laughs> because not, I'm so selfish. Well, you like, know, it's interesting. Everyone's a little selfish, and what you're doing is you are helping other people, but I do see how you think it's a little selfish because... Because I felt it was he- because it was helping me. Yeah. It gave me purpose. But that's the right kind of selfish, though, I feel it's like. It's not selfish. And, that's, and let me, let me uh, give you a distinction. There's a difference between selfish and operating in your own self-interest. Mm. Selfish is what you yeah. were doing before. It's at the detriment of other people. Yeah. It's it's doing things that that negatively affect other people for your own personal gain. Self-interest and some people might even call what you're doing altruism mm. is helping other people as you help yourself. There's yeah. nothing more rewarding than that. Right. Yeah. I, I I mean, okay, I like that. Oh, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. So, well, <laughs> but it's true. Here's well, here's what I'm what I'm getting at is as I start writing these guys' stories, obviously, some of them are just synopses. Like I'm not going to write an entire book on you, but I'll write a synopsis of your story. I start to real. I get. I end up getting a couple of guy, or I end up getting this guy into Rolling Stone magazine. Uh-huh. Mm. Start so because he came to me. You got to write my book. You got to write my book. I'm like, no, no. He's like, and we remember we were walking. Oh, I couldn't stand. He was so, he's bugging the crap out of me. And I was like, I was like, bro, I mean, he goes, bro, I'll give you, he goes, I'll give you half of anything that, anything the story makes. And I go, 
you're damn right she will. I said, that was never up for debate. <laughs> I said, that was always going to yeah. happen. I said, you're not, that's not a gift. I said, I mean, why don't even, what's your story? I said, you're, you're here for, for running, for selling oxycodone. <laughs> I was like, there's, there's 50 guys, really, there's 150 guys on the compound who's mm. doctor shopping. He goes, well, just listen to my story. And of course I was, you know, the, the, you know, opportunity knocks very softly. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're a fool not to listen. Yeah. So I was like, all right, fine. Meet me tomorrow here. And, you know, and first of all, the nice thing is, is if typically if you tell someone to meet you there, like they'll, they won't meet you. Mm-hmm. And then you get to write them off. You're like, nah, bro. I, no. Wasn't that important to him anymore? You didn't even show up. Yeah. Yeah. So he shows up <laughs> <laughs> and he tells me a story and it's a great story. Mm-hmm. And so Uh-oh. to try and get rid of him, I say, try and get out of it. I say, listen. It is pretty, it's pretty unique. It is pretty good. Like the thing you did with this, the teddy bears and this and that. I'm like, that's pretty good. I'm like, I can work with that. And I said, so I'll write this. Let me write a synopsis of the story. And if I can get you into a magazine or something, like get you some publicity, because you have no publicity. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows about this story. I need to get you some publicity. Then I'll write the book. Because I'm thinking, no way I get this guy in a magazine. (laughs) I can get rid of him. Right. And so we sign a document. I'm going to write it, and I get 50% of anything that happens as a result of the story. And so we go through this whole thing. And I say, look, at some point, I'm just going to collect these stories. I'm just going to collect them. And when I get out someday, I'll have the stories. And maybe someday I'll be able to do something with them. Mm-hmm. I still have 26 years, by the way. I'm just getting out 20, 30. So this is just something to do to pass the time. Mm-hmm. I write the story. I send it off to like six or seven reporters. And like three of them come back. Two of them come back and say, this is amazing, but I just don't have time. I'm in the middle of five projects. Three, two of them come back and say, I can do it. Can you wait six months? One guy comes back and says, I can present this right now. Oh wow! And I went... Okay, well, who can you, who, we, we can do? Well, I can do this. I can do, so we start going back and forth. He says, I can go to Rolling Stone. Well, he, he didn't want to go to Rolling Stone, actually. He, he wanted to go put it on, uh, on he wanted to put it on a Medium, which is a, a magazine, a, yeah. an online magazine. Yeah. And I went, no, 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 no. I, I want you to go to, I said, I don't want you to put it on some blog. I want to go or to be in Rolling Stone. He goes, it's not a blog. It's an online magazine. And I'm like, yeah, bro, listen, I'm in prison. Can I touch it? <laughs> and he goes, no. I said, I want it in a magazine I can holding my hand because mm-hmm. I can't want to have access to the internet and I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, and so we argued, we actually got on the phone and I said, you know what bothers me the, mo- the most about this conversation? He goes, what? I go, you won't even try. Ooh. And he, oh. I said, if you tried and they said no, I said, then we can go with medium. Mm. And he goes, all right, I'll go, I'll try. He comes back like three days later. <laughs> all right, it's going to be Rolling Stone magazine. Like, <laughs> That's told you. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with trying and failing. Listen, I been failing my whole life but i'm okay with trying and failing just mm-hmm. not trying bothers me so anyway it goes in rolling stone magazine and, and there's a whole issue with that because at the last minute he take they take my name off of it um and mm. so but it gets optioned and, and i get a piece of the option so uh, um new line cinema optioned it and they've optioned it three times and that's great and, and i end up getting a book deal for it and i with a uh, skyhorse publishing and it was in barnes and nobles and um so but of course that's now it's even worse now the guys are really coming. Mm. So anyway, I start writing the stories and I'm scanning through the stories and, and now these guys, I'm realizing too, I'm starting to figure this out. I'm starting to realize, okay, it's better if I get you to attach your life rights to the story. So I'll write your story, but your life rights have to be attached. Well, why? Because if you get, if I get you in a magazine or this gets t- gets some um, traction and what happens if Universal Studios comes to you and says, we read the story. We love it. Do you have an agreement with Cox? This guy Cox? No, I don't. Great. We want you to work with this screenwriter. We're going to write a movie about it. Oh, yeah, but Cox wrote the story. What about him? Care about Cox? Right. Yeah. This place is cutthroat. Uh-huh. 
this is I'd rather th- listen. I'd rather deal with, with inmates. Um, with you know, th- th- these guys are horrible. So <laughs> what what ends up happening? So I end up having these guys attach their life rights to the story. So you can still do the movie, but you have to do my version of the movie, or you at least have to incorporate cut me in. I'm mm-hmm. the one that got to the publicity. So yeah. we start doing that. But so I am doing. So that's why when you say you know you're doing it you know it's it's selfless or it's uh it's it's uns- I, I felt like well wait a minute i don't think it's selfless no. i saw a benefit yeah. t- to them and this is the thing like when i got out and i started doing these podcasts mm-hmm. right here's what like to me i did it and i'm saying hey i feel like i created a huge pool of intellectual property that and and i want to get these guys stories made into movies or films or something right yeah. And, um, God, man, just five. Hmm. Um, okay, so, oh, I can't stand you two fuckers. I really <laughs> so, you know, obviously I want to do it because I want, I want it to be successful. Yeah. But a lot of these guys, you know, I promised them I'd try. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I can't stand you fucking guys. <laughs> um, so look, I want to make them. I want to make. I would love to turn these things into movies. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, some of these guys have amazing stories. Some of them will never get out of prison. Mm. Now they don't have life sentences, but he's got twenty something years, and everybody's already given up on him. Yeah. Um, other guys might give out. Look, I got I got stories about guys who know about murders. You know, I mean, I've got. Guys that want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I told them I would get out and I would make an effort. But when I explain, talk about the stories, it bothers me because I get these people sending me emails telling me how inspired they are mm-hmm. and how they're rooting for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I guess I think to myself, I fucking can't believe that I'm doing this part. That I'm um, okay. I just keep thinking to myself that uh, that I don't deserve that admiration. Wow. So, and uh, <sighs> why do you feel that way? I mean, I don't feel that way because I think there's a thousand reasons, you know. I think that I committed a massive amount of fraud and wronged people. Not, and that's not even the victims. It's my family. It's my son. It's my mom. It's my dad. You know, and and in a lot of ways, I feel like I did it to try and impress a man that didn't even like me. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, and uh, my mother visited me every two weeks for 12 years through two bouts of breast cancer and a stroke mm. in a wheelchair for the last two years of prison, came to visit me in a wheelchair. Mm. You know, and I moved back to, uh, like, I, 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 was gonna, I was just going to move out of, the, out of the area. Like, I wasn't even going to go back to Tampa. There's, there was just nothing left for me there. And I went back there because of my mom so that I can see her. I see her four or five times, you know, a week. 
Um, and I, and I get these guys that say stuff like, "Oh, you know, you're, you're doing good things for your mom. You're 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 taking care of your mom. You're taking care. My sister takes care of my mom. Mm. You know, I do what my sister tells me to do. I couldn't take care of my mom. I financially couldn't do it. My sister can, because my sister is, you know, a decent human being, and I'm a scumbag. And as far as you know, me doing the right thing by my mom, my mother can't visit me every two weeks in prison. How much more of a shit of a son could I be mm. to not at least come see her as often as I can? So, and you know, you can say, and I've, I've said that to before, and people are like, no, but you're a good guy. You're doing the right thing. No, it doesn't fucking matter. Mm. So it doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah. Every time I see her, I feel horrible. She deserves better than that. She deserves better to, than to see me have to visit her son in prison for 12 and a half years. <laughs> She just deserved better all the way around, and my son deserved better. My ex-wife deserved better. My sister, my brother, and uh, so, so it bothers me when people tell me that I'm inspiring them, or you're a good person, or they ask me for advice, or you know, and then and I try and give them good advice, but my first thought is, I'm just some scumbag that got out of prison. My first bit of advice is don't ask someone who just got out of prison for advice, mm. you know, and I don't deserve to even be in a position to ask you for advice. And I try and give it the best advice I can, but it's just, uh, it's just a hard situation. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just all bad. Mm. It's Matt, just all bad. Here's, here's, well, I'd, I'd like to make some distinctions, and uh, this do is do other guests cry <laughs> we, we <had laughs> sometimes. But oh, uh, yeah. So um, let, let me say this: I, I appreciate your vulnerability there, and um, maybe it's not admiration that you're seeking, and that's why it feels there's there's this sort of cognitive dissidence that you're experiencing. And and here here's what I think: I think that your guilt, meaning, I mean, literally, you were found guilty um, but your guilt for the actions you did which were not one of the biggest human needs is to feel congruent mm. and you you weren't behaving congruently with the person you wanted to be Ryan has that story I mm -hmm. have that story yeah and eventually we do the wrong things over and over and over and over that guilt turns into shame because you you even said it I'm a scumbag no maybe you were a scumbag yeah. I don't see that scumbag here today, man. No. And um yeah I I can see him in your rear view. I can see a scumbag in my rear view as well. And I think the only difference is how we choose to begin again. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I don't know anyone who visits their mom four or five times a day or four four or five times a week mm -hmm. and and a month even. And if 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 I see someone who visits their, their mom weekly um, as an adult, that's an accomplishment. Mm. And I know it, it doesn't feel that way, but the truth is our actions are our real priorities. We might say, yeah, my mom's a real priority in my life. No, your mom's your priority when you're going to go visit her. Clearly, she's a priority in your life. That's fucking amazing, man. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I really wish my mom was still around so I could give her half of that attention um, because I, I did a terrible job. I was a bit of a scumbag back then and I was selfish then. But I think the redemption side of things here has to do with 
what you've done. You've begun again. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at you on the other side of this, and I don't... I see we all have the capacity for being a scumbag. And that's what you're saying. Hey, I've, I've got the capacity for being a, a scumbag. You, you even told me you were on the phone. I wrote this down. You said you were a, a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I wrote down recovering narcissist. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Real narcissists, they play the victim. And they continue to play the victim. Yeah. That is the key sign of a narcissist. And I haven't heard one... I haven't heard you play the victim once in the private conversations we've had or the conversations we've had here on the minimal or maximal. Like you haven't played the victim at all. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, I just want to commend you, Matt, because, uh, it, well, going back to forgiving yourself, you know, I look at these steps that you've taken, like first you acknowledge like, this is who I am. And then you got out of prison. You started calling people to acknowledge who you were. And even then it's, it sounds like it's still, really hard for you to forgive yourself. Um, I'll tell you, I am a, I was a scumbag and, uh, it was, you know, after doing this for two or three years, I still felt like a scumbag. People came up to me like, Oh man, thanks so much for your work. And I'm like, yeah, you're what, but I was a real scumbag. And you know, I guess someone pointed out to me one time cause I was kind of expressing a similar thing where it was hard for me to accept a compliment and, uh, I just couldn't feel what they were trying to give me. And they asked me, they're like, well, what's the best thing you could do for that person? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, I'll tell you what the best thing you can do for that person that's giving you a compliment. You can look at them and give them a very sincere thank you and really take it in. And it's really hard to do that. But I'll tell you, man, if you can, if you can start giving, your, giving someone else that, you, you can also start to give it to yourself, man. Right. Um, yeah, I, uh, what an, yeah, what an incredible story, man. And this is... I won't, I won't, I won't be one of the guys that's like, you're so inspiring, but, but you know, it really is for, for, for recovering scumbags. Like all three of us, we're all recovering scumbags right. and for recovering scumbags who haven't got to the point that you've gotten to, um, it is, it, it, it is, it is some hope and, uh, it's, it's amazing, man. I, Matt, I think, I think that it doesn't take, yeah, unfortunately you had to go to prison. Unfortunately, my mom had to die and my marriage ended both in the same month. And those events forced me to start questioning things in my life. You had 12 years to start questioning all of these these things. Ryan had, you know, uh, overdose and some other things Dude, that happened I, in yeah. his life. That so many. It doesn't require these these car crash moments though. And that's what I'm hoping that someone listening to this gets out of this mm. is like, Hey, I realize my behavior is not congruent with the person I want to be. My, my values are different from the way in which I'm acting right now. And it's okay to change. I don't need to wait until I'm arrested or, or until I overdose or until, you know, um, yeah, I'm uh, cheating on a significant other or whatever. Mm. Like you can, you can make a change right now. Yeah. Mm. I was I was thinking uh, I got these guys that write me emails and stuff like they'll buy my book and then they want me to sign the book um, and they always want to pay me for it you know mm-hmm. so I'm always like I'm thrilled that someone's asking me you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like yeah. like it's like I'm not gonna charge you for the I'm not, I mean send me your book I'll sign it I'll send it back um, so that's happened a bunch and then I've had the guys that have like driven like across the state to have me sign it and get a picture with me. Mm-hmm. And the first time that happened, I had, do you, ever, do you know who Gary V is? Yeah. Gary, yeah. okay. So Gary V, like I watched, I was at that point I was watching Gary V all the time. And I remember telling uh, the person uh, renting her spare room, which is a friend of mine, Stacy, uh-huh. uh, from her family. 
uh, and I'm like renting the spare room. I'm the guy in the spare room. Um, and uh, which is funny, she has another the title of his next memoir, the guy in the spare room. <laughs> she has another another spare room, and there was a police officer that lived there. Oh wow! So so uh, it's like the sequel, the she, guy in the other yeah. spare room. She just well, it was a woman, and she just moved. Oh. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, I was telling Stacy, I was like, you got to listen to this guy Gary V. You know, because all this is new to me. Like I'm, I, yeah. you know, I've got like it's like you know, everybody's like, go on. What? Oh, you need to, you don't know how to do that? Great, go on YouTube. What do you mean? Yeah. You know, so apparently YouTube can do anything. YouTube knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan and I moved to a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Montana for four months, and we couldn't figure out how to keep the fire going at night because it was negative twenty six degrees. There's probably sixty things on yeah. YouTube that we're we're to YouTube, it. and it was like, right. oh, that you just gotta change one small thing, and yeah. all of a sudden we've got it. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. So I'm doing that, and I was telling Stacy about uh, Gary V. I'm uh-huh. like, bro, I said, I, I listen to this guy, Gary V. He's amazing. And I said, and she's like, well, why do you like him? She's like, I listen to so-and-so. You know, I listen to, to- you know, Tony Robbins. Or anything. So why do you like him? I said, one, I say, I like him because, and I go, this is gonna sound weird. But I said, he's saying the things out loud that I've been thinking in my head for the last two or three years mm. about what to do when I get out, like how to behave, mm. how to think. The last mm. two or three years, I go, but he's saying it, mm. things that I've never said. And she, she's like, all right, I'll listen to it. So <laughs> she's listening to it. So when I start, I get this, an email one time about this kid, and people have already been mailing me books to uh-huh. sign. Mm. But that is a kid that wants to drive from like, like Jacksonville or something Whoa. to come buy me lunch. <laughs> and have me sign the book, and he'll buy me lunch. It, didn't, it ended up being breakfast. Um, he'll buy, and he wants to get a picture with me. And I was like, I don't know what to even say to this guy. Mm. And she went, she goes, why? I go, it's weird. I mean, what's he wanna, what does he wanna, that doesn't even make sense. And I got the police officer telling me, it may be somebody that wants to hurt you, <laughs> and you need to, and I go, he doesn't wanna hurt me, he's, he's a kid. She's like, you don't know what he is. He's on the, he's on your phone. Oh you don't know what he, so I'm sitting there going, I'm like, I don't know. I feel weird. I said, that's just weird. And and so Stacy's like, no, you're inspiring. I'm like, I'm inspiring? What are you, nuts? I said, I'm not inspiring. And she's like, no, you are. You don't understand. She says, you don't see yourself the way people see you. Uh, and I was like, and I'm rolling my eyes. And she said, I have a question. Because he's saying stuff like, you know, I know this sounds weird. And my wife thinks I'm weird. And my mom thinks I'm weird. But I just want to meet you because I feel like there's a connection. And she goes, and I know that doesn't make sense. And I can't explain it, but I'd just like to meet you and shake your hand. Mm. And so I'm sitting there and Stacy goes, listen, listen. And I go, she goes, listen, would you have lunch with Gary V? And I went, of course, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be awesome. And she goes, you're Gary V. Mm. She goes, he just go. She goes, she goes, be grateful. Yes. And I went, yeah. So I, I you know. I meet the guy. I said, I met, met like two dozen guys that have been driving around like they'll buy me. I'm like, look, if you want to buy me lunch and meet me and I will talk to you and that's fine. We can do that. Mm-hmm. I, that's fine. You know, and I mean, I'm, I'm nicer than that, by the way. You know, I'm <laughs> like, no, I understand. And then they always get there and then they're always, you meet them and they're not weirdos. Right. They're always like normal guys and they're like, look, I know this seems weird. And I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it initially it felt weird, but now I'm just going to go with it and decide that for some reason you see it, you feel like there's a connection. You want to meet me. You want to talk to me. And I always tell them to on the phone. I'm like, look, you, you do understand. You've got to be weary of, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, don't ever meet your heroes because you know you're bound to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I said you're going to be disappointed. And they're like, great. Then I want to meet you even more because let me meet you and realize you're just a regular schmo and it's fine. And I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah. And I go and I meet them and you know that's it. 
and I sign the books and I take a picture and you know that's it. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, so it I'm, I mean I'm coming to grips with it. I'm realizing it. I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to be as gracious as I possibly can without you know finding it strange and just be, realize that look. Mm-hmm. 2 years ago when you were in prison this you never would have believed this. Mm-hmm. You were going to get out and you were going to get a job and you were going to end up working, you know, at you know whatever in the warehouse somewhere because that's because nobody's going to rent to you or nobody's I mean it was all these issues I was going to have I knew I was going to have so the position I'm in right now I was going to try and do the movie thing and I was going to make calls and I was going to do this and I was going to make that attempt but that's it Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just not what happened you know it's just it's just everything has been going amazing I've had some setbacks but even when they get set back I also know it's like, okay, you've had some failures, but the truth is, is if that deal had gone through and they'd taken that project and they'd run with it and they just were calling you once a month, you would immediately be like, well, what's next? Well, now I got to do that. You know, it would, the disappointment, it is just so stupid because it's like, oh, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, it's about the journey and not, you know, it's about, you know, not the destination, is it? You know, and this just sounds so stupid. Yeah. yeah. You know? but, what a cliche. Right. right. But it is. Right. It's true. But it's awesome. You know, it's like once yeah. you realize it, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. You're well, describing, cliches are cliche for a reason, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. You're describing a restlessness that we all feel. And that's mm-hmm. why we make up these, th- there's this term in philosophy called object A. We all have this object A. It's the thing that we're going to get that fixes everything, yeah. right? And for you, it could have been like, well, you know, the, the next loan. And, 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 and it's always that next thing that it, yeah. or finishing the manuscript. That's right. the object A. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you get it, as you said, it then becomes, oh, yeah. Man, that's not what I thought it was going to be. And it goes back to, well, okay, then what's my next object day? You're not really looking for the object day. You're looking mm-hmm. for the new pursuit, not the yeah. new destination. And and so, yeah, of course, it, it ends, ends up coming off cliche because people are like, yes, enjoy the journey, whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's the difference, I think, with you is you're developing a capacity for gratitude. I mean, that's what you just expressed to me. Like, well, at first, it was like, I can't even imagine this guy wanting to have lunch with me yeah. and now there's more people that well, they want my picture in my autograph and and but then it turned into like wow how amazing is this that i get to do this and you know it was missing from that life before right. uh, gratitude I, yeah i was just gonna say i'll get a you know, my poor girlfriend bro i feel so <laughs> bad for this chick like i'll you know because it is the, nar- I know you're like, oh, you're not really a narcissist. No, listen, like I'll get these messages and I'll go, huh. And she'll, she'll be like, you know, so I'm doing, you know, I do do the, huh, because I know I want you to say what. Right. I yeah. go, huh. And she goes, what? I said, it's just somebody left a comment on YouTube. Mm. I go, apparently I'm amazing. And, and, uh, and then she's like, like, she's like, I can't even read the comments. About she goes, these guys love you. It's disgusting. Oh, and, and I'm great. like, yeah, but that's because they don't know me. And she, she's like, I know, exactly. They don't know you. You know, mm. she's like, that's right. You know, so it's so funny because I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll get one and I'll screenshot it and I'll just shoot it to her. To her. I do that every once in a while. Boom, boom. You're really like, you know how one. lucky you are to be with me? <laughs> Man, so, yeah, that's awesome. She's constantly. I feel horrible for her. You know, this this story, man, um, what I really appreciate about it is you went from, you know, being crazy rich. I mean, it was all because of fraud, but, you know, you had what everyone wants. They want money. They want to travel. They want girlfriend, girlfriends. I mean, they, they want it all. Right. And you went from that 
to prison to coming out being it sounds like you're six million dollars in debt uh and you're lit for it though yeah right <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm good for it <laughs> but but you, you know get like a 200 year payment plan on that right exactly but you know like you're living in you're living in a a, a, a spare room and you're happier it sounds like you're happier now than yeah. than, than you ever have been and that's that's the that's what's awesome about this story man is that uh not just you're living in a spare room but you, but you have copious amount of deaths but the thing is is like you said it on the on the minimal episode and it was profound you said i figured out a way to be myself and like that is um again josh and i have never put it that way but when you said that i'm like that's the best advice you could give anyone even if they have to work at walmart you just find a way to be yourself oh l- listen i i always say and this is this this is one of those the Gary V things. Mm-hmm. Like Gary V and he always says like, you know, look, I've got friends that are multimillionaires mm-hmm. that are miserable. Mm-hmm. And I've got my buddy from high school who gets to teach his kids little league and is married to his high school girlfriend or whatever. Maybe he's divorced and remarried, but he's he teaches little league, he's got a couple kids. He really just makes his bills every month. Mm-hmm. He said he won't shut up about his kids. Mm. He's the happiest person I've ever met in my entire life. And, you know, and he's and it's it's amazing. And, you know, it and to me, you know, and maybe maybe he works at a in a warehouse or he works at Walmart or he works at yeah. FedEx. And the truth but the truth is, like, I to me, and this is the same thing Gary V says, you know, is I envy that guy. Mm. Yeah. Like he figured it out. The guy with five million or ten million dollars who's complaining all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, he clearly he hasn't figured it out. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, well, let's talk about what he's figured out because I think it's two things. It's one thing we just talked about: the gratitude thing. It's developing that capacity for gratitude that is going to get you beyond. Because here's the problem: back in your your um, your fraud days, you were and this is what Ryan and I did as well. Most people do. We confuse pleasure with contentment right and it's easy to get pleasure uh, because you can throw money at it to get pleasure it's it's stimuli right and there's mm-hmm. nothing inherently wrong with pleasure until it gets in the way of your contentment and that's exactly what was happening with you right. now the the gratitude thing is sort of the opposite of that it's 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 being happy with what you have and realizing what you have is enough um, and the, so the guy you're talking about, you know, the hypothetical guy, the Gary V character of uh, the father who works at FedEx or whatever. Yeah, he if he's figured out what enough is for him and he's able to get that enough, then you don't need any more than that. Right. Now, I'm not just talking about money. I'm not allergic to money. But the problem is when we start, you know, forging documents in right, order right. to get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but here's the you know well I don't know you know for me it, it's still like a struggle because there and, and and this is a good thing like literally like the girl I'm I'm dating mm-hmm. um, I met her in the halfway house okay she did four she get like six years she took the drug program she got a year off um, I think she did four years uh, for meth conspiracy and what what I love about her is like she'll tell you that getting locked up. And, be, and having to go through the uh, what's called the RDAP program in prison, she's like, that saved my life. Saved my life. Mm. That, that prison saved her life. Wow. Um, and she's extremely, like, just 
doesn't isn't interested like in money isn't interested and having her there like dating i'm dating a chick that like i've never dated before mm-hmm. and she like i i had to get a new car so i went out and i got a new car um because my 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 jeep was just it's just it was shot mm-hmm. and uh so i got a new car and i was complaining because it was like a jeep it's like what? i don't even know what i have it's a jeep sport Mm. Or, I mean, it's basically the, the bottom level Jeep you can get. Like I got just no frills, nothing, nothing. And, and it even has t- the tires on it, like to me look like spare tires. <laughs> and I'm like, it's got four spare tires. I'm telling her about it and she's like, but you can afford it. And I go, yeah, I can afford it, but it, I, I, I wanna get the better tires. And she goes, but the tires are fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, but the, the one that's, that the other one, and she's like, no, no. No, mm. she goes, you don't need that. She goes, it has ABS brakes. My other cars had gone out. She goes, it has air conditioned. In Florida, you have to have it. Oh, yeah. She said, it's air conditioning. She goes, it, you know, she started naming off. She goes, it, the, there's not a leak in the, uh, you know, in the fuel pump, which mine was. Mm. The, the tires aren't, but she started naming, she, goes, she said, it's a functioning vehicle with a bumper to bumper warranty that, that you can get financed. She has said, and I was like, I know, but but she's but what? Mm-hmm. She goes, be grateful, or you know, be be uh, humble. She goes, humble yourself and realize that it's everything you need, and you just got out of prison, and you're doing amazing. And she goes, and stop with the spare. She goes, stop with the tires. Yeah. And I was just like, mm. okay, you're right, you're right. She's like, no, I'm right. I said, all right, all right, you're right, right, right. And I hang on the phone, and then when I see her. Listen, for a week or two, I would walk out and I'd look. Uh, we'd be walking through the parking lot. I'd go, the guy's got nice nice tires. Look at those rims. And she would look at me and she would, and I'd say, I'm just saying, I'm just yeah. saying. And now, two weeks later, or no, actually, sorry, about two, three months later, I didn't even think about it anymore. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. And I'm so, and I, and, and, you know, she's like, oh, appreciative. We would get in, I'd turn on the, you know, turn on the air and this and that. I'd flip it on and, and she'd look at me and she, and I, I'm like, you know, it's it's cool. Like, well, wait a minute, it's, it, let's get you know, it's cooling down or something. And I forget we're sitting there, and she looked at me, and she goes, "Be appreciative that it's cooling down." Mm. Like that, and I was like, "I know, I know." All right, she goes, <laughs> "You're very lucky." Like, if I complain at all about anything, she goes, she'll look at me, and I'm like, "I know, I know," but I'm like, that's not the chick that I dated before. The chick that I dated before was get the top, this, get mm-hmm. this. What can I get? I can't, what do you mean you, I'm not driving around in that thing. What do you do, what do you, I mean, like this girl could care less. This girl's telling me not to, she was really telling me don't get a new vehicle. Mm. She's like, we can go get this. I'm like, I'm gonna spend two grand on fixing all this crap. My computer went out too, by the way, mm. on the vehicle. I mean, this thing was horrible. She's like, it's running though. I'm like, it's not running. If I hit the gas, it slows down. It's doing this. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you hit the, she That's the you, brake pedal. She goes, then you hit the gas slower. Oh. And I'm like, so I mean, she's just so mm. I'm in and same thing with my friend Stacy. Like I'm so I've I'm starting I'm surrounding myself by those people that periodically when I start becoming an asshole, uh-huh. they go, eh, just, you're slipping. Yeah. You know, mm. and they stop you and they say, Hey, hey, hey. And then I and then and it takes that. It's like my buddy stopping me when I'm talking or when he's talking and I interrupt, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you never mind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Calm down. We're talking about me. These mm. people see a capacity in you. To be a better version of yourself, right. to, that, to that's, constantly that's my friend improve. Stacey all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, um, says that all the time. The the woman that you're dating, 
she also has a healthy relationship with what enough is and yeah. she understand she understands that and so what you were saying when you were going around pointing at the tires is that's my object a in this split second of course you know as soon as you get those tires they're going to mean nothing to you no then the whole car would still be a base level car and i could get right. a better car and listen i mean hey, hey let me tell you when I bought my first Lexus, it wasn't enough, so I had to get a second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my my problem. And then uh, now I need a Land uh, Rover, and I and it was like, I need uh, the two and a half car garage. What the hell does that even mean? How do you get a half car in a garage? Listen, I I, I say this all the time too. It's funny. I I know five guys that have had Lamborghinis, and not just one Lamborghini. Like I know one guy has had like three. Mm. Every guy I know that's had a Lamborghini is just a is a complete asshole. None of them are happy. Yeah. They're miserable. They're driving around in Lamborghinis to say to everybody, look at me, look at me, look at me. And every, you got everybody's attention, which is what you wanted. And you're still not happy. Yeah. yeah. By you know, the way, what are sense? you doing with that attention? If you, you're, you're squandering it. If you can't be happy without a Lamborghini, then there's you're not going to be happy with a Lamborghini. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the same is true with, with any material thing. Ryan yeah. and I, as the minimalists, we're not against stuff. You know, I own a couch and I have, you know, uh, I have a family. My daughter has toys. I'm, we're not about deprivation. Uh, <laughs> they take the toys away from the daughter. <laughs> no. We're not doing that. No. You can have a toy. Minimalists don't have fun. Uh, and, but so here's the thing. Like, we're not uh, we're, we're not about deprivation. We're, we're about figuring out what's appropriate for us. And it turns out most of the things we thought we wanted are really inappropriate because they're not conducive for living a meaningful life. And what I'm seeing now from you, Matt, and and I just want to hammer this home as, as we try to wrap this up, but like I see you have identified how to contribute to other people. You're beginning, not just beginning, you identified that in prison and now you're, you're doing it. And it may not feel like the same kind of contribution because you're not working at a soup kitchen necessarily, but contribution is contribution. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing... If you're doing that, if you're contributing beyond yourself in a meaningful way, it's one of the most rewarding things you can do. This book is far more rewarding because you didn't just put it in a drawer, mm. right? Now, it's weird because it feels selfish in the moment when because you're like, well, yeah, I want people to read this. But wouldn't it be selfish to just put it in a drawer and not share it with anyone? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Matt Cox, where, where should we send folks? Uh, obviously, uh, we're going to put a link to your books, your Amazon page, uh, Matthew B. Cox. Uh, Inside True Crime is your uh, website, in, InsideTrueCrime.com. Also, your YouTube channel of yeah, the yeah. same name. You, yeah, Matt mm-hmm. Cox and uh, Inside True Crime. And actually, a lot of the stories that I've written, uh-huh. I think there's maybe 14 or 15 that are actually narrated also. The short versions, not the books, but the short versions. Mm-hmm. On your YouTube channel. Yeah, they're about an hour each. Love um, it. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. And I just came out with, I mean, I have my book, but I also came out with a book called uh, It's Insanity, which is which is a uh, guy, Frank Amadeo's story, which is, is the- this one here? This is the guy. This is, okay, so I get 12, I got 12 years off my sentence. This is the guy that did all my legal work in federal prison. Uh-huh. He's a rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia, mm. who believes he is preordained to be emperor of the world. Oh, wow. He stole $200 million from the federal government, tried to buy a fleet of planes. He orchestrated a coup in the Congo. <laughs> what? He, oh, it's, it's one of those stories that you cannot believe. You There's actually articles about him, mm-hmm. like in Orlando. Like, I can't believe it never expanded to everybody. But he's also a lawyer. 
and he's brilliant. He just happens also be crazy. He got me 12 years knocked off my sentence. <sighs> anyway, so I wrote a story and I'm kind of intertwined in the story because he's literally walking guys out of prison. He's cutting guys' sentences in half. He's absolutely amazing. His story prior to prison is more amazing than the story in prison. And um, yeah, I owe him a, a ton. So- mm. You know, I I, I wrote uh, wrote this this uh, book about him, and uh, it's great. And I I actually actually that's one of the things I also did out here was I met with a couple of producers, and nice. it cool. would be great if that turned into it's 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 a story you can't you cannot believe it's not already a movie, yeah, and you yeah. cannot believe that you haven't already heard about it. There's also a documentary on the Congo thing that's on my channel. Okay, okay, too uh, on awesome. the YouTube channel. There was a, a documentary that was never actually published, but there's actually a documentary about just the Congo thing. Listen, it's amazing. I mean, I've got a ton of stories. He's probably in the top two. I want to encourage folks, they can check out your YouTube channel, but more than that, I want to encourage them to support your work because yeah. this is, I mean, you had to fly out here and it, you don't have some big publishing deal that people aren't covering your costs. You're covering your own costs. Right. And uh, I, I I think it's great that you're you're able to do this. <laughs> I, and I said to you, I said, so, uh, you know, typically these guys, like, they'll fly me out. He was like, yeah, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm like, we don't do advertisements. You're right. in California. Yeah. Yeah. So how am I supposed to get there? Well, if you're in California. I'm like, I'm if not ever, in California. If you're ever around I'm LA. i in California. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even, even subtle about it. You didn't even. It wasn't even nice. Hey, you, you you appreciated the upfront honesty, though, yeah. right? I, I I wasn't trying to drag you through anything, but I do want to encourage folks to to check out your work. And uh, I think maybe there's these are two great books to start with. We're going to put a link to your Amazon page in there as well, mm. because um, yeah, I, I want I want people to support your work and support what you're doing. You are a phenomenal storyteller, and mm -hmm. I'd love for them to uh, to read these and next time ryan and i are back down in st pete we yeah. have a coffee shop down there um yeah we'd love to hang out we could do this again yeah could probably go on danny's channel yeah oh, i would yeah, like that yeah, that'd be great danny's got, he's yeah you, you, you know you, he's a great guy yeah. he's a great guy yeah i can tell i was gonna say uh anytime you're in st pete and you want to go to the coffee shop i know you like coffee just yeah. tell them that melbourne and i sent you and and that uh, they'll, they'll hook you up man i will have to check it out because i do go over, i'm actually supposed to go over there again in a few weeks actually uh, to see danny yeah okay. yeah to do cool. another podcast these guys keep asking me to do podcasts it's like okay well i don't really have anything else to say but, <laughs> but i can at least talk about the books the, yeah. the one that just came out oh, so yeah. man cool and i can talk about this and my trip here and everything it's pretty cool thanks for your story thanks for being sure. vulnerable thanks for uh just, yeah, letting it all go, man. I mean, this is, it might be one of my favorite uh, podcasts we've done. And it's because this your story represents so many other people because we all have our own struggles, man. We all have our own shit going on. And the fact that you've got, I can never look at my life and be like, oh, I've got shit, coming, you know, shit going on. But what your story does is it helps me look at it. And it gives me hope in in redeeming myself, and that's what this that's what this podcast was about redemption and uh, and how to be yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Matthew B. Cox, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. You're awesome. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. All right, y'all. Love people, use things. We'll see you next time. See you, patrons. The minimalists. <laughs>